1: Hello, everyone. This is uh, your host, Michael C. with another episode of the Keys and Anklets podcast. I am sitting here, I'm still down at Splash Mocha, having a great time uh, meeting wonderful people. And I was actually joined down here by uh, two people who I've known for a while uh, in the lifestyle. They're a cuckold couple who I've always found to be very fascinating. And that's uh, M and J. will not you guys say hi? Hi. Hello. (laughs) Hello, everyone. All right. we're, We're sitting here doing the podcast thing. And um, you guys, like I said, you guys are a, are a cuckold couple. So I'm going to kind of go back to the beginning. And this is a question that I always enjoy asking the husbands. Um, but first kind of, how long have you guys been married?
2: About 34 years.
1: Okay. And how long have you known each other? Closer to 40. Okay. So what I would like to ask you, uh, M, what do you remember about the very first time you saw Jay?
2: That she was one of the most beautiful and sexy young women I'd ever met. Mm-hmm. Do you remember where you were? I do. Where were you? At school.
1: Like high school, college? It's College. Okay, okay. Uh, were you guys same year, upperclassmen? Was she higher than you? Same year. Okay. Now, did you speak to her the first time you saw her, or did it take a while for you to kind of work up the nerve to approach her?
2: I had no problem working up the nerve to speak to her the first time I saw her. Mm-hmm. Now, was she receptive? Or did she, you have to work at it? She seemed to be
1: receptive. <laughs> now, what do you remember, Jay, about that first meeting?
0: I saw him before
1: he saw me. Okay.
0: I noticed him and his self-confidence mm-hmm. and was very impressed, but I was shy and sitting in the back of the room and he never saw me.
1: So you were aware of him before he was aware of you. Yes. Uh, was this in the same day or? Yeah. So you saw him days before he paid attention yes. to you. Hmm. Interesting. Mr. Confidence. So you didn't even see her checking you out. I have no explanation for that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she said days. Like, this was.
2: Well, we weren't traveling in the same circles. Mm -hmm. No classes together. And so we just apparently intersected. Ended
0: up in the same place at the same time. And I noticed him. But because I was sitting in the back of the room and being Mm -hmm. unobtrusive, he never saw me.
2: Okay. And, And I tended to sit in the front of the room. Okay, I got you. I got you.
1: So you 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 get married. <coughs> Obviously, you have a, a courtship. So the question that I want and this is always when I when I when I ask the men is, do you remember the first time that you had a thought of whether it was her or just an imaginary woman because you had the thought before you met her? But when did that thought first pop into your mind of? wanting to see her with somebody else, like that that basic thought.
2: I can't remember specifically. Mm-hmm.
1: Just the best you can.
2: But it would've been very, very early in our relationship. Mm-hmm. Like and before we were, you got married or after you got oh, married? Very right. early in our dating relationship, okay. which was years before we got married. right? And we were still teenagers. Mm-hmm. And we were both very, we both had a lot of sexual energy, independent of each other. Right. And we were both very quick to begin discussing our sexual interests with each other when we were very young. Mm-hmm. And where we started talking about them, how we started talking about them, I do not know. I only know that we started talking about our fantasies very early on, and that was among them. It wasn't necessarily paramount among them. But, right. it was, but it was one of many things that we talked about when we were teenagers and our hormones were high and our imaginations were active. Mm-hmm. So you told her pretty early on that these thoughts
1: were in your mind.
2: We had mutual exchanges, right. pil- pillow talk, you right. might say. Right. And we, I would ask her questions and she would answer them and she would ask me questions and I would answer them and we explored together. Now, when he's telling you these things, were these things that you had heard
1: before? Was it all new to you? It's completely novel
0: to me. Mm -hmm. I'd never heard of anything like that. And did it
1: shock you? I
0: suppose it must have. It was an awful long time ago
1: now. Right. But these, like, and, and the reason why I kind of zero in on those particular thoughts because they run so counter to what society says men want, you know, like we're society says we get jealous and we don't want anybody even looking at our women yet here you are saying, you know, not only do you, are you okay with her looking, but you actually want her to take that final step, which is actually being intimate with another man and, and not only having a desire for it, but the fact that it's something that arouses you a great deal. And so I'm always fascinated to see and to learn how women respond to that initially, like when they, when they first hear it, because it's so off the, the grid, like, you know, especially before you even encountered this, this, this whole lifestyle, like, wait a minute, that's not supposed to happen.
0: Well, I feel like you're jumping over several steps. Mm-hmm. He, it, he certainly didn't, we didn't start out with his saying, I want you to be intimate with someone. He just thought it was sort of sexy if Mm -hmm. somebody was looking at me and I flirted back a little. Right. Okay. So it was a very safe kind of space. I could be standing next to him, but kind of flirting a little with my eyes with someone else.
1: Just a a slight progression into it. Right. So, So here's my question for you then. When you were making those progressions, in your mind, whether you said anything to her about it, But in your mind, had you already gone there and you were just saying, "Okay, I know I can't tell her this yet. I have to bring her along slowly.
2: There was never anything conscious that was as specific as what you just described. Mm -hmm. This all goes back essentially to puberty. When you're a teenager, you're still in puberty. And I really don't remember when these thoughts evolved, how clearly they evolved, Mm -hmm. how rapidly. They evolved. I know that I was obsessed with how beautiful she was. Mm-hmm. And I used to stand her in front of a mirror and show her how beautiful mm-hmm. she was. And it was as if no one, she had no idea. It was like right. I was showing her something that she'd never experienced before. And to me, it was the most obvious thing in the world how beautiful she was and still is, by the way. But I also realized that I couldn't afford to be jealous because the same things that caught my eye were certainly going to catch the eye of any other male. Right. And if I was going to be jealous, then I just needed to find himself another girl. Yeah, that's, <laughs> not, the, that's not the one to be um, and, with. And that, and that was not, I wasn't interested in that. So it's, I suppose, and I, I don't know exactly how it works, but- to enjoy how beautiful a woman is, is to want to, to, to enjoy how beautiful anything is, is to want to share it. Right. You know, if you have a beautiful home, you want to have company. You want to have people over. Right. want a my if
1: beautiful home. If you have a nice car, you want to take it to a show. And you want, <laughs> or, dry, or drive it around and let
2: people see it. And if right. you stop at a stoplight and somebody says, hey, that's a nice car, you like that. You don't get bent right. out of shape about it. Exactly. Nobody's you're trying to take your car from you. They just appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Same thing with a gorgeous wife. You know, somebody wants to point out that you have a gorgeous wife. Well, that's a very nice thing. Mm -hmm. And there are all kinds of ways to point out how gorgeous a woman is. And one way is to pursue her sexually. Right. It doesn't even necessarily mean they want to take her away from you. But, you know, I'm not being very articulate. I apologize for that. No, you're fine. But I'm I'm, I'm saying that this is, there are not clear steps. This is uh, the most gradual of continuums. And I can't tell you how we moved from one step to the other. I certainly can't tell you how it moved from one step to another in my mind.
3: mm mm-hmm.
1: But here's something that I'm always curious about when I, when I talk to men in this lifestyle is we all grow up with friends and, and we know how our friends talk. You know, like I can remember, you know, uh, not going to the club with my girlfriend, but us going to the same club. Like she would go with her girlfriends, I would go with my buddies and we would wind up at the same place. And there would be instances where, you know, she'd be dancing with somebody. And my friends would come up to me like reporting, like, hey, Mike, hey, your your girl's in there dancing with somebody. Almost having that look in their eye like, what are you going to do about it? Knowing Mm -hmm. that, what they would do about it is they would go in there and interrupt it and break it up and everything like that. So my question to you is, I'm sure you grew up around those same kind of guys. You know, we all have guys like that in our, in our, in our circle of friends. And then we start having these thoughts and we realize that, okay, I think differently than my peers. And I can remember specifically explaining to them that, that her dancing with other guys didn't bother me. I'm not a jealous guy. I know who she's going home with. It's my girl, I'm not worried about that. However, what I did not tell them was the fact that it turned me on because I knew they wouldn't be able to wrap their head around that. So I always kind of kept that part to myself. So what my question to you is, do you remember when you got to that point where you understood that, okay, I think differently than most guys think.
2: Well, I got there, but I can't tell you exactly when in my life I got there.
1: Right, but I'm saying, but you remember it happening.
2: No, I can't say that I remember it happening. I can only say that I know that it happened the same way I know I was born, but I can't say that (laughs) I I remember being born. Right. I just know that it happened. Mm -hmm. I can say that jealousy to me, when I did feel it, when I was growing up, and was a, a, a teen or a young man was something that I saw personally as a sign of weakness. How weak am I? If I've got to go, I can't even tolerate the idea of my girlfriend dancing with another man. That's an act of weakness, not an act of strength. I agree. And so I, I was never in that camp where I would want to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, I get that some men are not are threatened by other men being interested in their wives. I feel sorry for them. I'm not yeah. threatened by that.
1: Right. Now I'm I'm kind of curious and this I've never asked anybody this question before but because of how far your relationship goes and and where you were did your friends ever make comments like hey M man your your woman is hot. She's like did they ever make comments to you that they wouldn't make to other guys because of how they would react? Like did they feel like okay M right. can handle it. Like we can like, hey, man, your girl was looking smoking hot today or, you know, whatever terminology was used. <laughs> it wasn't
2: all that long ago.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> um, I,
2: in my life, men I've known, not necessarily close friends, but men I've known have commented on how attractive my wife is. And I have always made an effort to respond to that in such a way to let them know that that was an okay thing to say. Right, right. As opposed to making them feel embarrassed or to, you know, criticize them or, you know, somehow make them feel like made me angry or uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to react very positively the same way. And I'm not, I really am not trying to um, diminish women. right? Right. But I'm saying the same way if somebody were to compliment me on a nice car, of course I would be appreciate the comment. You tell me that my oh, wife right. is gorgeous. Well, yes, I know she is. And I thank you for noticing right. that and saying that as well. Mm-hmm. Same thing.
1: Same? No, I, I, I've, I've used that, that analogy uh, oftentimes
2: myself. Why in the world would I be harsh with a man who has the good sense and the good taste to appreciate mm-hmm. how attractive my wife is and doesn't mind telling me?
1: Okay, so Jay, let me ask you a question to kind of piggyback on on what I just asked your husband. When you met him, did you ever have any experience with male jealousy? Whether it was with someone you were involved with or a girlfriend that was dating somebody or a family member that was dating? Like, had you seen a jealous man at the time? Because I know you you guys were relatively young when you got together, so I'm not going to assume that you had. So when you guys got together, had you seen what jealousy looks like?
0: No, I can't say I had, because I think at that point in my life, everybody I knew had, had played by the conventional rules. Right. So you didn't do things to make your man jealous. And I didn't run in circles where boys, because at that point we were boys and girls, where, where boys were likely to comment on other boys, girls.
1: Right. Did you have a concept of jealousy? Like whether it was from watching TV or singing in music? I'm just wondering if you were familiar with the fact that, okay, guys get jealous, and this is sometimes how jealous guys react, even if it was from a TV show or from movies or anything.
0: Well, certainly in a conceptual way, yes. Right. But I had no experience with okay. it. Okay.
1: Okay. So when you were with, with M, did it re- did it did you recognize it like like right away, or did it take you out of like, okay, like he actually and like when he was putting you in the mirror, like there are guys who would want their woman to know how beautiful she is that's separate, even though they're both fantastic things, it's still separate from saying, "I want you to see how beautiful you are, and I like people noticing how beautiful you are like there was a those was a those are separate you know, they can lead you in the same direction, but one doesn't always mean that the other is there so when you started to see that wow you know he's liking this you know he likes me to dress up and not dress down you know to accentuate not hide you know were those things cuz i'm 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 sure and i don't know how much you shared with your girlfriends but I'm sure you had girlfriends who dated and you guys would talk and they would, you know, probably tell you about things that their boyfriends were doing that they maybe were not happy with. Like, oh, he's, he's controlling or he's this or he's that. And so you're hearing these stories and you're kind of saying to yourself, okay, well, my guys, not (laughs) I don't have those problems. Did you speak on them or do you always just kind of keep them to yourself as far as "Uh, I can't tell these girls that?
0: I don't think I've ever really had a circle of girlfriends mm-hmm. that I talked to about things like that. Um I think it was it was once M and I started dating. It was pretty much the two of us all the way and we were just learning together. Um, and these things that he was telling me that he didn't mind and in fact liked for other boys, men to notice me and that it didn't bother him if I flirted back with them surprised me. Mm -hmm. Understandably so. But we were both young and inexperienced enough that I sort of just absorbed it and went
2: with it. Mm -hmm. Let's not Uh, idealize the relationship unrealistically either. mm -hmm. There may have been problems that other people did not have, did have that we did not have, but that doesn't mean that, you know, we didn't have our problems. Oh, absolutely. Of course there were ups yeah. and
0: downs and bumps along the road. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Um, like I said, my purpose with this is to give people a peek into what leads up to that. You know, like we don't just roll out of bed and say, hey, I want you to do this. Like there, there's, there's buildup and there's conversation and there's you know, there's back and forth, and there's there's acceptance, and a and a and a and a, and a, a road to get that acceptance. As far as mm-hmm. for women feeling like, you know, like 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 it's okay to, because let's be honest, I mean, society doesn't really make it easy for women to be in control of their
2: mm-hmm. sexuality. Well, and that's of course that's been a big part of the evolution of our relationship is teaching her. That's not a bad, that's a wrong way to put it. Showing, Showing her, her, her that is. it's okay mm-hmm. for her to be in control of her sexuality. Now, but to get to the point of your, your basic question, how we're getting there mm-hmm. is you've got, you've got to keep in mind that we weren't born the day before we started dating. Right. So oh. before I ever met her, I had years of looking at, you know, Playboy and penthouse magazines and reading penthouse letters Mm -hmm. and having fantasies and watching television and movies and all the stuff that goes with it. And she had whatever experiences she had Mm -hmm. growing up and learning about her sexuality and feeling guilty about having feelings of sexuality and all of this stuff. And these are the things that, put us where we were when we first met. And if it weren't for you know those individual experiences that led up to the moment of meeting, then things would not have gone as they did. Right. So you've really got to get behind when did you first realize this and when did you first start talking about this and how did the two of you move forward mm-hmm. to, you know, what brought you here in the first place? Right. Which you know may be beyond the scope of a single podcast. Oh, right? I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I have
1: to be. <laughs> of the, of the time.
2: <laughs> I would. I would love to go there. Um, but it's important know. to at least acknowledge oh, it, even right, if we're not right. going to explore it. Right. It's important to acknowledge it.
1: So. So I'm, I am, and, and that's why I ask about the first time that that thought popped into your head, is to try to was to try to get you to to open up that door and say well you know because for some guys it's hey I, you know i I saw this or I read this in a magazine or I read that story and and you know something you know something resonates with you it's like I always say you know on my podcast a hard dick don't lie you know like I, I like I feel like as people it helps us sleep better at night for people to think that they control what turns them more when I feel like the reality is the exact opposite. We have, we have zero control. of We're exposed to something. We either see it or we hear it or whatever. And, you know, it either moves our needle or it doesn't. And once something, once something moves your needle, like, you, you, I feel like you can't come off of that. Like, it's always going to move. Like, once you're exposed to something, even if you don't pursue it, it's in your mind. Like, you, you can't unsee it. You know, and so that was why I asked that question was, was if if there was anything that you saw, that you read, that you heard that planted the seed for, you know, for that level of what excites you about the woman that you're with.
2: Well, for me, I and think it person. starts at an earlier stage than that. Before right. I even... For lack of a better way of putting it, gave myself the freedom to explore what does and does not turn me on. I made the decision at a fairly young age that I wanted to have experiences. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading Penthouse letters. I remember. You know, (laughs) and they all start off with, Dear Penthouse, I never I I never never thought this would happen. I never (laughs) thought this would happen to me, but okay. And you figured, you know, at least half the time these experiences weren't real anyway. But I figured that at least some of them were real. Right. They couldn't all be lies. They couldn't all be lies. And so some of them were real, but I also knew that nobody that I knew of was having these experiences or if they were, was acknowledging that they were having any of these experiences. And I decided that when I grew up, I wanted to be the kind of guy who was open to having these experiences. And so once I committed to that. Then I was able to, in a much more open way, explore, okay, what kind of experiences do I want to have? Right. So there's that first step before you even get to what moves the needle for you. Are you the first step is, are you going to give yourself permission to let your needle be moved and to go with it?
1: Right. Or are you going to be afraid of it?
2: Like, well, you know, or, or just, just inhibited by right. society. Right. And I didn't, I didn't want to be cowed by society. I wanted to do what I want to do. Okay, so let me move this conversation forward a
1: little bit. So you you're you're together, you're dating, you get married. When when did you start moving things in that direction? Like, okay, I'm turned on by this. We've we've talked about this. Let's let's work towards it. Let's like do you like when did that process start? Like how long into your marriage were you? It was a continuous evolution. Mm -hmm. It it
0: started when we, shortly after we began dating and we just kept exploring and having pillow talk and experimenting Mm -hmm. and things worked, you know, I flirted with someone and it, it turned us both on. Right then that was great. And, you know, if something didn't work, then we'd take a step back and we'd communicate about it. And so it was, we're talking about years here. We dated Uh, for years before we married, mm -hmm. but I do remember within the first few years of our marriage, going to a concert, a public festival. Mm -hmm. And we had been fantasizing about buying being with someone else mm-hmm. and we identified a guy that I found attractive, and I flirted with him and sort of was working on making a conquest of him, and then we both lost our nerve okay and we just fled and went home and then we were both really turned on
1: thinking about it afterwards like how thinking about how close you actually came right. to okay right.
0: so I mean it just it, it there was no I cannot give you a turning point. It was a continuous evolution.
1: Mm -hmm. So we all have these, these, these journeys that we're on. And, but one thing that we all have in common, no matter how many experiences a person has in this lifestyle, no matter how, how few experiences a person has, we all have a first time. Know, whether it crashed and burned or it was a rousing success, we, we we all have a first time. In other words, if you trace everything back, there there's a date. There's a date on the calendar that on this date, you had never seen your wife with another man. And then on the next date, you could, you woke up saying, I saw my wife with another man. So my question to you is, when it happened, was it... What you thought it would be, was it harder to deal with? Like, Because it's one thing that we have in our minds, how we hope it'll go. And then mm. the real thing happened, And then we have to confront it. When you confronted mm. it, was it, wow, yeah. that was exactly like I thought it was? Or was it, oh, that was harder to watch than I thought it was? Like, What do you remember about your reaction that first time where this is not a fantasy anymore. This is happening right now and it's happened.
2: We have, have to break, to break that up. down because the first time I saw her with someone else, I was also with someone else. Because okay. we were in a couple swapping okay. situation. And I can say that my re- response, my reaction to seeing her with another man and the, the way she reacted to him mm-hmm. was a huge success. Okay. So you liked it from
1: the word go. Yes. Like for actual, in practice, not, no longer fantasizing about it, but the reality of it got you from the beginning. 100%. Okay, so here's something that I'm curious about in that moment, knowing how to say that you hold your wife in high esteem, I feel is an understatement. And I've, that's one of the things that I've always enjoyed about you was the pedestal that you have your wife on. Like I think it's a, a beautiful thing to to witness. how I'm curious, how difficult was it for you to pay attention to the woman that you were with when across the room or in another part of the house or wherever she was, the most beautiful woman in the
2: world to you was
1: doing what she was doing in that moment. Like, was it, was it difficult to give that other woman that attention in that moment? No,
2: you know? it was an overall dynamic and she was very attractive also. Okay. As time went by, I yeah. began to realize that, and after I'd been with more women, I began to realize that being with more women was not very interesting to me anymore. But paying more and more attention to my wife was becoming not just more interesting to me, but more compelling. Mm-hmm. And that's how we, it's part of how we began to evolve.
1: Okay. Now, what do you remember about that first couples situation? Like from your perspective, or was it not, not saying that you didn't have any motivation to do it yourself, but I've, I've talked to an, a, a number of wives in this, in this lifestyle, and especially in the beginning, I know that one of the driving forces is making him happy. You know, not that you don't want it for yourself, but for that first experience or those first few experiences, most women haven't graduated to the it's okay to be selfish aspect of of all of this, you know, which is where the husbands want them to get to, but it's a process in getting there. And it's rare that women, not saying that you don't, but it's just, it's rare for women to, from the very first time it happens to already have that fully bloomed, oh, I'm doing this for me mentality. In other words, my point is, I know for a lot of women, say you have a date plan, Know, your first time that is happening and you're both committed to going through with it. Most women, if their husband decided at that moment, you know what? I've thought about this and I changed my mind. I have no, I don't, I decided that I, I don't really want to share you. Most women at that stage before anything actually happened, would will be like, okay, like you thought about it. Like, in other words, not saying that it's not a big deal for them, but if he doesn't want it, then cool. Now that conversation for some couples might be a lot harder to have five, 10 years down the line when she's embraced that selfish aspect of it. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Not, not saying that she wouldn't stop, but it's gonna take a conversation. Like you're gonna to have to sell me on why you want us to stop this. So I'm just curious when that, when that first time happened, do you remember where you were as far as what was driving you to, to do that? She has a story very much on point. Oh, right. fantastic. Well, I, I look forward to hearing it.
0: Yeah. Well, we're skipping over the, the, the first time that we were with
1: other people. Okay. Um, you're talking about the story skips over the first time. Yeah. Okay, well, that,
0: that was years and years later. The first time we were with other people, we were both still exploring and mm-hmm. we had lots and lots of pillow talk and lots and lots of fantasizing together and we had been to several swingers parties and not done anything. And then finally we'd found a couple that we liked. And so there was no, it it was not anybody pleasing anybody else. It was both of us wanting to experiment with this lifestyle and figure it out. Now the story that he's talking about was many, many (laughs) years later, many iterations later after we had experimented with different ways of being in the lifestyle. And to get to that, I had a date planned out of town. Mm -hmm. I was going to fly to another city and spend one or two nights with another man. He was paying for me to be there with him. Right. And M wasn't happy about it. I mean, we had been, we had been, I had played alone before, but at this point he just wasn't in the place where he wanted me to do it. And I sat him down on the sofa and I straddled him.
1: It's <laughs> an interesting way to sit him down.
0: Okay. We, were, we were clothed, but I straddled him and I said, Listen to me. I am doing this thing. Mm-hmm. I want to. It turns me on. And you're going to like it. And somewhat to my surprise, M said, Well, okay then. And so the next day I got on a plane Mm -hmm. and I flew to the other city Mm -hmm. and I had a wonderful time with my mother.
1: Was that the first time you kind of, I guess, for lack of a better term, put your foot down in that way? Like, I'm running this.
0: Yes. Yes. That was the first time I realized, oh, wow, I can do this. I can Mm -hmm. change his mind about
1: something. Did it shock you when she took that position?
2: Yes, because she is not, it does not come easy to her, it does not come easy to her to exploit the power of her Mm -hmm. sexuality. Right. And honestly, I've been encouraging her to do that since we started dating. Right. And it's more than a little frustrating that it's been as difficult as it has been over the years to get her to do that. Um, You know, it's a mixed bag for me. Mm-hmm. but it's unbelievably sexy and gratifying right. when she comes into her own right. and asserts herself that way.
1: So let me ask you when she did it, I'm sure that there was a part of you that was like, Oh, but was it also a part of you that was like really proud of her?
2: Oh goodness. Yes. The, yeah. the, the, the positives far outweigh right. the negatives.
1: Like in your mind, you're like, yes, finally. Like this is, this is what I've been
2: wanting you to do. It, it, it was a breakthrough mm-hmm. and I was glad to see it and wouldn't mind seeing more of it. So, when you expressed your displeasure and with with her going,
1: was that all genuine? Yes. So you really didn't want her to go. He did not want me to go, it's- and I was very torn. Mm-hmm.
0: And I have to be honest. Part of what gave me the courage to do what I did
3: mm-hmm.
0: was. I felt a certain obligation to this other guy who had bought this plane ticket and right. was waiting for me. And as much as my first priority in my life is my relationship with M, I also felt like we together had mm. this obligation to the other guy. Right. And by that time, you know, he had been telling me that I had this power mm. enough, that I had had enough sort of. Peripheral experiences of that—that that I had the confidence to do it, mm-hmm. but that was the first time I really asserted
1: that power. Okay, so that begs the question for me. Like I, I was—I was going to make this this transition anyway, and I think this is kind of a good segue for it. Were you already aware of of cuckolding at this point? Oh yeah. And now, prior to her taking that stance had there been any kind of actual uh cuckolding play at all or interaction between you two? A great deal of it. Okay. So but up until that moment, mentally you feel like she hadn't fully embraced that goddess aspect of this is my show. Correct. Like she hadn't she she was playing along but she hadn't really bought in all the way.
2: There's a difference between Role-playing and true lifestyle. Exactly. Exactly. That's the point I'm getting at. Exactly. And this was a breakthrough moment between the one and the other. When it became like, like you said, like, oh,
1: so this is how it can go down. You know, because before, like you said, it's in the bedroom and it's cute and it's sexy and, but it's not really bleeding over into. Oh, this was
0: real life. Exactly. This was, was, I'm making this happen and you are going to accept
1: it. That must have been. I guess kind of a conflicting moment for you because like I said, on one hand you're proud, but the other hand, like I said, at, at, at the moment you were saying that I don't want you to go, like you said, you meant it. Like you, you meant it. And because she hadn't embraced it yet, you weren't ex- like, you weren't expecting her to, to pick that moment to put her foot down, but it happened. Like that's, that's when she's decided, okay, I'm going to put my flag here and this is how it's going to go down.
2: And like she told you, you're, you're going to like it. That dichotomy is the essence of the cu- cuckold lifestyle. Absolutely. There is no sacrifice if without pain. There is, you know, if a cuckold, if a cuckold is called upon to make sacrifice. Well, if you don't care, it's not a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. If it's easy, it's not a sacrifice. Right. You're being called upon to say, to do without, to do without something that you want, that you need, for the greater gratification of your wife. And if it's just, you know, every, we're all on the same page. We all want exactly the same thing in exactly the same way. Then it's not, in my view, it's not cuckolding. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not here to define that term for anybody else. I'm saying that for us, well, for me, Mm -hmm. that's how it is. And if, if I'm not conflicted, if I'm not ambivalent, if I'm not suffering to some degree suffering some kind of a loss to some degree, then I'm not sacrificing. And yeah. then yeah. I'm, the nature that's of true. a submissive is you want to give something up for somebody else. Right. Well, okay, then when the rubber meets the road, you gotta give something up.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's real. <laughs> and that's the difference between
2: role play mm. and lifestyle. For us, it is not role play. It's lifestyle. This right. is how we live. Now, that doesn't mean that it permeates every aspect of our life on a day-in and day-out basis, because there are times when you have to put your sexuality on hold because there's other things to do. I don't care what your sexual relationship is like. If it's strictly vanilla, monogamous, married relationship, it still doesn't, it's not at the forefront of every decision that you make on a day-to-day basis because life requires you to do other things. But for us, it is our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It is our marriage.
1: Okay. So for Jay, I'm kind of curious. So you, you put your foot down. You, for the first time, grasped the idea like, oh shit, this is real. This is not just limited to role play. You, you go on your trip. Like you said, you had a great time. You're coming back home. Did things change for you after that? In other words, did you stay on that path right away or did you find yourself kind of falling back into the role play aspect of it? Or was it real from that moment on?
0: Oh, I think that was a genuine breakthrough. I think from that moment on, I realized that this power was real. Mm -hmm. And I think it probably did permanently change our dynamic. Which isn't to say, as Em said, that, you know, it's it's all the time every day. There are certainly times when he doesn't want something Mm -hmm. and I don't assert that power. I don't don't create that dynamic. Mm -hmm. There are other times when I do, but I think that that was genuinely a breakthrough. That was when I realized what he's been telling me is so. I have that power.
2: And it adds impact when she does put her foot down. If there are times when she doesn't Mm -hmm. because it tells me when she puts her foot down, Oh my God, whoever this guy is, she really wants him, which is unbelievably hot. Right. And she's like, wow, she's, she's
1: not defying your wishes, but she's.
2: No, she's, she's defying my wishes. (laughs) And she's doing it because she's motivated by sexual desire. Mm -hmm. And that's what you find incredibly hot. Yes.
1: Now I'm curious, um, Has there ever been an instant where you tried to, you know, like just like all the other instances where you tried to put your foot down, but it did not have the desired outcome? Where, in other words, where he was more dug in than maybe you thought he was. In other words, has it ever come up where you tried to put your foot down and he didn't back down and you had to be the one to kind of acquiesce and say, okay. Life is
0: not a penthouse letter. Exactly. Absolutely. We've had times when we have not ended up agreeing, mm-hmm. when there have been problems and troubles. Um, this, this sexual power that I have, it's not absolute. This isn't a fantasy. Right. So, yes, there have been times when I've tried to assert that, when it hasn't worked, when he's ended up unhappy, I've ended up unhappy. And we've had to st- take a step back and figure out what to do about it.
2: It also might depend on what the source of my discomfort is. Mm -hmm. Um, There might be things going on at work that prevent me from being able to appreciate what it is that she's getting ready to do. Right, And therefore what she's getting ready to do is selfish in a way that's different from the good cuckold kind of selfish, which is really, really parsing words. Mm But I think there'll probably be at least a few people who listen to your podcast who I hope will understand what it is I'm talking
1: about. Can you kind of go into a little bit more detail with that?
2: Well, it's, it's dealing with things that aren't sexual in nature. And so you're, uh, I, I need to focus on this other thing right now that's non-sexual, that mm-hmm. doesn't have anything to do with our marriage. It doesn't have anything to do with sex. It might be work. It might be some family yeah. issue. It could even theoretically be a health issue. But it's something that is outside yeah. of that realm. And I need to be able to focus on that right now. And there need to be times, even in the most strongly female-led relationship, where the female has to say, okay, yeah, I need to yield to that. So there there are, are, on the scale, there are good reasons, and there are bad reasons for me to object. And if the reasons are purely selfish, those are bad reasons. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to go because I'm jealous. Um, that's That's a bad bad. reason. I don't want you to go because I'm completely wrapped up in this very, very important thing that doesn't have anything to do with our sexual relationship. That might be a good reason. Mm -hmm. And it would be almost cruel, uh, which I don't think a coupled relationship needs to be, it'd be almost cruel to go in the face of that. And, you know, that could create all kinds of problems.
0: I like to hurt him sexually. I like to make him beg. I like to make him really feel that he's a cuckold. I do not ever want to hurt him emotionally. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want him to think that I'm trying to put any kind of distance between us.
1: Right. So that actually is is another good uh, segue. One of the things that I've learned from uh, wives who, you know, are cuckoldresses is, is very consistently One of the toughest things for them to get used to is any form of humiliation directed towards him. Like, that's something that a lot of women struggle with. Um, Because, you know, this is their best friend. This is their husband. This is the father of their children. You know, this this man is everything to them. And the thought of saying something hurtful that's a hard place for them, for a lot of women to get to. So my question to you is, A, is that something that you also struggled with in the beginning? And B, what helped you overcome it? Because I've, you know, I've, like I said, I've, I've known you guys for a few years now and I, you know, I talk to your cuck a lot and I know that you don't have a problem doing it now. <laughs> you don't have no problem doing it now. You know, so if you did have a problem with it at some point, something happened that got you over that hump. So I'm just kind of curious because I know my listeners wouldn't know. Like I said, that's the main thing that a lot of wives struggle with is that and what hurts them is. They know that he wants it, you know, like they know that their husband enjoys it. They know that it turns him on, but they they they, 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 they just can't get there. And it hurts them that they can't give him something that they know ultimately he craves and they, and they want to get there. They just don't know how to get there. So did you struggle with it? And if so, how did you, well, of course I struggled
0: it? with it. I, I think anyone who loves her man would right. struggle with that. Um, and once again, there was no breakthrough moment. There was no time when I said, Oh yes, now I get it. Mm-hmm. It was a process. It was him saying over and over, it's so sexy when you, talk like that. It's so sexy when you did this. And, and, you know, moments when I was so turned on that maybe I tried something that I hadn't before. And afterward he said, Oh my God, I love that. And over time I came to trust and believe Mm. that I always believed that he meant what he said, but I came to believe that it was true that he wasn't just telling himself that or telling me that because he wanted it to be true, that it really did turn him on, that that was really what he wanted. And I became just more and more bold and, and confident.
1: One of the things that I I, I know my listeners would be curious about, and I'm kind of curious to hear how you, how you will explain it. Um, like I said, I I have conversations with your cuck uh, often, and I'm sure he'll tell you I always refer to you as, as goddess. You know, whenever I ask about you, whenever whenever your name comes up, that's how I refer to you because I know that that's how he, he sees you. So, for the women out there that wonder, because I feel like that's not synonymous with like that's not mutually exclusive to the to this lifestyle. Like there are plenty of women who enjoy this lifestyle. Who I feel aren't treated that way by their husband. Not saying that they don't have a good relationship, but they're like you see it. Like you, you know it when you see it. You know when you're around it. Like I know when I'm around a couple, and that is how he truly sees his wife. Like you just see in how they interact and how he caters to her. And it's it's always present. So I'm just kind of curious how you would explain for a woman who's who's wondering, what's it like to live the life being someone's goddess? Like, what What does that feel like? Like, how would you explain that to somebody?
0: Well, at times it's surreal. At times it's difficult to believe. Um, at times it's, it's something that, you know, if you step back from it, you think, wait, that can't really be true, but it is, it, it is. is. That's your reality. And, Part of what has allowed me to make it my reality is saying to him, obviously you need to be able to trust me. If I'm going to go off with other guys. You have to be able to trust me. I need to be able to trust you also. I need to know, I need to be absolutely certain that if you tell me this is where you are, that this is really where you are. hmm down here for this slash mocha weekend
3: mm-hmm.
0: I said, "I will be incapable of relaxing and enjoying myself and exploring what there is if I don't believe every minute that you are one hundred percent okay with it mm-hmm. and he and he listened to me he knows that he said, "I promise I will tell you if there are any issues, if there are any problems, I promise you will know and so You just have to be able to trust each other. You have to be able to communicate. If something goes wrong, you have to be able to say, here's what happened. Here's why it didn't work. Here's what I think we can do to fix it in the future. Mm -hmm. And he said something very profound years ago, and, and we have lived by it. There's no bridge we can cross that we can't go back over. So we tried something and it didn't work. Okay, let's not do that again. Right. Let's talk about it and let's make it right. So- I have learned to believe him and to trust him when he says you are my goddess. This is how I feel about you. Mm -hmm. It seems like I think most people would think that's not even possible. Nobody could really live that way, but he wouldn't say it if he didn't mean it.
1: Right. Do you ever find yourself wishing that, that other women could experience that? from their partners like oh, absolutely
0: oh absolutely i wish everyone in the world could have this feeling sometimes mm-hmm. or all the time
1: like how is it like how has it affected the way you you know the way you view yourself and feel about yourself like the fact that this man lives every day showing you how important you are to him and what you mean to him, and he's been doing it now for decades, like, do they, obviously I feel like it hasn't, it's had an effect on you. I'm just curious if you can kind of put into words how it emboldens you and kind of props you up to go and deal with all the real life stuff that we all have well, to deal Well, as with. every
0: one of your guests has, has said, has acknowledged it. it Creates confidence. It creates a sense of, of identity and, and an ability to go out and, and be strong and individual and confident
1: in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always make it a point to, to, to bring that up, is because I know all of the the sexual stuff about this lifestyle gets all the headlines, and I just feel like that's a very important byproduct of this lifestyle is the the confidence that it infuses these women with and how they take it outside of the bedroom. You know?
0: So I want to say that there, there are two parts to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think that I think that I have for most of my life been considered an attractive woman. And so his admiration and the attention of other men has certainly bolstered that. And Mm -hmm. I feel when I go out in the world most of the time that I am an attractive woman, sexually appealing and attractive and desirable. But beyond that, it has given me the confidence to be strong and to make decisions and choices on my own and to stand by them, Mm -hmm. which was something I didn't have before we got into this lifestyle.
1: Right. And from your perspective, and this is directed towards M, obviously knowing her for as long as you have, how have you seen like how does how does her confidence look from your perspective? Like you watching this woman, you know, you guys are together and you, you know you're out and you, know, you have your careers and 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 regular everyday life. Like what is it been like for you to see her wear that confidence outside of the home?
2: It's made her a complete woman, mm-hmm. not just you know a, a strong, sexually powerful or confident woman, but a complete woman, a woman who has been strong enough and confident enough to pursue her interests in every aspect of her life, to pursue them aggressively, uh, to overcome obstacles and challenges and to achieve her goals. Mm -hmm. And there are in countless ways. So this is not a segregated, boxed off area of one's psyche or one's life. How one views oneself sexually, if sex is at all important in their lives, is always going to spill over into other things. A man who views himself as sexually inadequate Mm -hmm. is, not necessarily going to have a good view of himself in other ways. Um, And a a woman who views herself as sexually inadequate is not necessarily going to have a good view of herself in other ways. But if sex is important to you and you have confidence in whatever you bring to sexual relationships, that's going to fuel other things. Mm -hmm. The same way that if you're confident in a professional area, or a physical or athletic area, it's probably gonna make you more confident sexually. The psyche is an indivisible whole and all of these things feed feed into one another. And the fact that she has become a more powerful and confident sexual woman is not just the cause of her confidence and achievements in other areas of her life, but it's not the result of them either. It's all of a piece. She has moved forward as a woman, and that is a very, very important part of it.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. So, one of the things, and I, I know I'm going to want to have you guys back on because I mean I, I'm I'm watching the the, the, the the timer here, so I know how much time I have left for this, and I know that there's still areas that I haven't been able to touch on. But it, I just kind of wanted to say this kind of letting my listeners know, I guess what's coming, if I can get you guys to come back on. One of the things that I've always enjoyed about talking to you, and I've, I've told you this and I've told your, your goddess this. One of the things that I've always enjoyed talking to you, like I've, I've known a lot of cucks. I've known a, a, probably more than anybody. I, you know, I'd, I'd be willing to put the number of cucks I've known up against anybody walking the face of the earth. I mean, had actual like real conversations with and talked to. And one of the things that's always struck me about you is your energy and that you have this, when it comes to your cuckold dynamic with your wife, you have this very regal, calm acceptance. Like this is what it is. I'm very comfortable in my role and seeing you here at Splash it highlights it even more because I, you know, me, I'm observing, I'm watching couples. I know what their dynamic is. I know what their dynamic is. I watch them. And even in this setting, I'm watching you. And I watch how, when I see him, I know that you're close by, but I don't always know where. I know you're close. and the way that he's sitting there or standing there again it's not agitated it's not him looking around trying to see you know okay she's not with me so where is she it's it's none of that like nervous energy it's just okay this is where she like i told her i would be here so let me make sure that i'm in this spot so that when she is ready to find me she doesn't have to go looking for me you know um and that's just, to me, it's, it's just a manifestation of your overall just acceptance. Like, like this is my role and I am going to master it. I'm going to master my role as my wife's, cuck. not necessarily cuckolding in general, but as far as what my goddess needs, I am going to master that. And I like I feel that. I feel it when I talk to you. I feel it when I text you. I feel it when I... Just seeing the two of you walk around, just the way that you approach this lifestyle. And that's one of the reasons why I always wanted to have you guys you know, as guests on my show because I'll be honest, it's not something that I encounter a great deal.
2: Well, you just stated in physical terms, the essence of the role of the cuckold in the cuckold marriage. I'm here. I told her I'd be here and I'm going to be here so that she knows where to find me whether she knows where to find me physically, Mm -hmm. whether she knows where to find me emotionally, whether she knows where to find me psychologically or sexually. I promised her I would be here and that's where I'm going to be. And to break that promise is to break a very important trust. And if I break her trust, then she's not going to have the confidence to go out and have these adventures because she's gonna be worried. Mm -hmm. about whether I'm going to be where I promised her I would be in all of these places. And I've got to be very careful about making that promise because no person of integrity and honor makes a promise that they don't think that they can keep. Right.
1: One of the thing, and I guess, and I'm glad that I've, I've finally been able to have you guys on here because I've, being as involved in the cuckold lifestyle as I am, I see the different phases that guys go through on, in other words, no one starts where you are. Like there there are like the steps that guys go through and I see them go through them. And obviously there's denial for a lot of guys in the beginning, you know, especially those transitioning from the hot wife, stag vixen dynamic into cuckold. you know? And, then obviously another step is acceptance of it. But I feel that things really take off when they get to the point where they embrace it. And I feel like you're swimming all in that pool. Like every time, you know, from the time I've met you, you're oozing and embracing, like it's, it's effortless. <laughs> you know what I'm it's, saying? Like it really is. Yeah. Like I'm not It's, I'm, it's not no, no. as easy as it looks. No, apparently. no. know <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm, I'm talking about the perception of it. I'm talking about the the way you present it. You know, I'm not saying that it's not something that you have to still, you know, work at and work with. I'm just talking about just the energy that you give off knowing other. You know, because I have a lot of data. Let's just say it that way. I I have a lot of data to compare everything to. So I see it. And, you know, to me, it's very evident. It really is. It's very evident to see where a husband is in his journey. Like, okay, he's kind of, he thinks he's accepted it, but I can see that he really hasn't yet. Or this guy has accepted it, but he hasn't really embraced it yet or okay, this guy is beginning to embrace it. He hasn't fully embraced it, but he's beginning to. And so when I say that about you, it's based on the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that I've encountered in my 19 years of of doing this. Again, not saying that it, it really takes no effort from you. I'm talking about how you make it look, much like an accomplished dancer or an accomplished pianist. They make it look effortless. We know that they've practiced hours and hours and hours to get to that point. But it's just, that's how natural it comes across. That's how natural it seems. It seems like they just rolled out of bed
2: doing it. But the aspiring pianist isn't putting much at risk when he starts taking lessons. (laughs) And I will tell you that this is not a relationship to be sold to anyone. Mm -hmm. It's a fraught relationship. It's a dangerous relationship. We're playing with fire. Swingers play with fire, stag vixens play with fire and all of them can get burnt. Mm -hmm. But this strikes me as perhaps the most dangerous of the various iterations of, of this lifestyle. Right. And it is not for everyone. And I think that there, in my experience, there are a great many husbands, most husbands, even if they think they want it, Their egos can't tolerate it Mm -hmm. and disaster looms. It is something not to be taken lightly. Absolutely. And I wouldn't try to persuade anybody to get into it. The fact that that we make it work, the fact that we make it work as well as we do means that it can work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it can work for anyone or everyone. You gotta work at it. Well, it isn't just that you have to work at it. You have to work at any marriage. It's that it just isn't right for a lot of people. It just isn't. Mm-hmm. And for there are a lot of mm-hmm. fantasies that she and I have shared over the years that just aren't would never be right for us, <laughs> would never be right for us. They make good <laughs> fantasies, yeah, they're high, but they're not going to translate, translate to reality. Mm-hmm. And for many people, what we yeah. have as our reality is and should always be only fantasy for them. Because it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. There's just there are too many moving parts. It just happened to come together for us, and we have been taking risks, and we're doing okay. We're doing much better than okay. We're doing beautifully. Right. It works for us, but right. it should always come with the surgeon general's warning.
1: It's definitely a good way to put it, and I I, I try to, you know, to emphasize that point about anytime I talk to anybody about this lifestyle is it's, it's about what works for the two of you, you know, like find what works for you two, regardless of what anybody else may, you know, have their opinion on. And like, don't let anyone tell you that you're not doing it the right way. As long as it works for you two. now, if it's only working for one of you, then yeah, you're not doing it the right way. But if it's working for both of you and at the end of the day, you're both happy with the results that you're getting, then that's, you know, at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. You know, but um, like I said, I I know that I definitely want to you know, have you guys back, and hopefully, you'll come back because, like I said, there's so much more, um, that we can get to that I'd like to get to. You know, and I'm I'm sure that people are going to enjoy listening to this. You know, just because of the the content of it and what was said and what was talked about and and, and everything. So, uh, before I wrap this up, is there anything that you guys would like to say? In closing? <laughs> yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> i tell you what, Em, why don't you go first while she thinks of uh, something to close out with.
2: You'll have to let us know how your listeners respond. I would, I'd be very interested in that, but no, I don't have anything more to
1: say. Well, uh, did you?
0: No, I mean, we've, we've been as honest as we know how to be. and. and-
1: it works for us yeah no absolutely and like I said I'll, I'll definitely let you know what the uh what the feedback is and I want to thank you both uh for coming on and being so candid and being so honest and and kind of you know putting yourself out there's for others to learn from and uh I want to appreciate I appreciate it and to all my listeners out there uh, thank you so much for uh for your support and your encouragement and for my patreon supporters you guys know how I feel about you you guys rock you're the best you're you're the ones who allow me to keep doing what I do. And, you know, I don't take it lightly that I, I've i learned and I've come to accept the fact that on some level, my podcast does affect people's lives in a positive way. And, you know, I don't take that lightly and I, I want to be able to continue uh, doing what I do and bringing you the type of quality content that, that I know that I can, can produce. So Uh, I want to say thank you. And hopefully I'll have some more stories to tell you guys from Splash Mocha. I'm having a good time here. I'm meeting some great people. And this has been your host, Michael C. with the Keys and Anklets Podcast, signing off.